0: Every single transaction that happens in a day-to-day scenario, be that a $2 bottle of milk or a $200 million home, ultimately what somebody's saying is that I would rather that bottle of milk than this $2 coin. And so it's great to be creative within whatever sphere, but as long as you're recognizing that there has to be a tangible value for someone or something outside of that, I would say that's just as integral to work on outside of just being creative for creative sake.
1: This is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create.
2: Hey, this is Rich Langton and welcome to today's episode. If you are new here, I'm so glad that you've joined us. And if you've been listening for a while, hey, thanks for joining us again, it's so good. On today's interview, we've got Fadi Hanna, who's the owner and CEO of Flagship Digital, which is an international communication and marketing business. And here in Australia, it's one of our fastest growing companies. And Fadi himself has been awarded like the young entrepreneur of the year, not once, but twice. He's a cutting edge kind of guy and in an industry which prides itself as being cutting edge, that's pretty amazing. His company, Flagship Digital, has customers like Coca-Cola, Real Madrid, BMW, and even American Express. So they're doing really well and he himself is an expert in his field. As creatives, I feel like we need to be good at communicating. And so Fadi has learned a way to communicate well. And so even a few weeks ago, we heard from Duncan Corby on the need for us as creatives to communicate. And so today we're going to hear about how we can communicate. And there's a lot to be learned on that. And I feel like for myself even, um, there's a lot to apply from this interview. So let's jump straight in and I'll talk to you afterwards.
3: Well, it is fantastic to have Fadi Hanna here from Flagship Digital with us on the podcast today. Fadi, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Really appreciate you coming on and really excited to hear a little bit from you about what did you do, um, how you kind of ended up there and what you kind of see taking shape for you, your industry and creatively in general. I think um, you've got to a lot to share on that, which is really cool. Can you just tell us for people who might not know a little bit about um, your flagship story, just a a quick bullet point of kind of how you got to where you are? Yeah,
0: sure. Um, Five years ago, um, I found myself out of a job and didn't really know how to go about that. And um, I guess I wanted something in between finding that dream job and where I was at. And so um, I contacted a few friends and just was seeing if they wanted some graphic design because I knew a graphic designer that was great. And, um, you know, that turned into a couple of hours, which turned into some bigger projects, which turned into a website, which turned into, you know, five years later, we've now got offices in Australia, New Zealand, London, LA, doing brand strategies for multinational companies.
3: It's been a pretty wild ride. This isn't common for your industry, right? No, No, it's definitely not. Okay, so... I'm just keen to unpack that a little bit and find out a little bit how you got from there to there. Tell me, from that initial thing where it was you and your friend who did graphic design, what was the next step from there? You said you got a project, whether another project. How did the team grow? Um, it, it came out of a habit which
0: is a really stressful habit of saying yes and then figuring it out at a later stage. Um, and so it started with simple brochures, which turned into a website, which turned into a small marketing campaign, which turned into my accountant calling me and saying, hey, my business partner wants a brand strategy. You guys do that. I remember holding the phone on you know my shoulder, between my shoulder and my face and Googling what a brand strategy was um, and about to say no until he said he's got a $30,000 budget, which goes, I'm like, oh, we're specialists in branding. It's what we do. We, we live and
3: breathe it. So, um, and that was how you kind of went from one thing to the next, to the next, to where we are now. That's it. And even in doing that brand strategy, something that we've always,
0: um, or as a culture within our company, and it was, it was birthed out of this of just not being okay with how the industry do things and kind of pushing that forward. And that's how we very much found our own sort of personality and identity and what separates us. And I think within that separation is what the market was really receptive to and in that we saw an
3: astronomic growth. This is interesting to me and you talk about kind of staying in your lane, finding your own way of doing things mm. and it's clear that you, I mean, we obviously talk about it a bit, you're a disruptive influence and I think the growth kind of shows that. For people who might not know much about brand strategy and what we're talking about, sure. can you give us just a quick synopsis of what it entails and what it would normally look like in a company outside flagship? Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: Ultimately, branding is communication and it's perception. So it's how do we communicate in a way that achieves a specific perception? So a company might want to come across as innovative or be relevant to a certain demographic or age group. Um, For us, what the process is, is working with a company um, or a client, be that an entrepreneur or whatever that may be, to understand what they do, how they do it, who is their marketing to, um, how do we communicate in a way that's different to everybody else, but not just different for different's sake, what's unique about them and how do we communicate that in the greatest
3: possible way. Okay, I wanna come back to this um, in a minute, just backtracking for a second, you said that you use a bunch of different mediums, graphic design, video, like, what kind of is the scope of what you guys do or what we could expect from a branding agency like yours?
0: Well, for us, we're strong believers in everything about you says something about you, and so I've, I've always said you can you can say something to someone, or they can experience it, and they'll always. Believe what you say if they've experienced something as opposed to just relying on somebody to trust something that you've said. So for example, if a company says to us that they want to be fresh and young and innovative, we can't just say that within a marketing campaign. Their customers or clients have to experience that at every single touch point. Mm-hmm. So we talk about, um, you know, even walking into a, an Apple store, for example, you're greeted at the door, you're, you know, you're, you're the whole buying experience from beginning to end says everything that they want you to know about their specific company. So that's more of an experience as opposed to someone handing you a fly that says, hey, we're young, fresh and exciting. So for us, whatever mediums are required to achieve that experience for the customer, we'll do, we've done stuff from launch parties to videos to, to yes, graphic design, but activations, as well as obviously logos and colors and fonts and everything that you expect from a branding agency. But we map out who the customer is, what the experience is, um, and how do we achieve what they want to say within every individual touchpoint. So every project's completely different.
3: Okay, so let's talk about this for a second because you said it then. Every project is completely different. Every client is completely different. Um, What do you see your role being in kind of bringing voice to that? You're the same team working the same way with the same tools. Um, How do you see that playing out for a bunch of different clients and projects?
0: That's a good one. I actually think that's where a lot of agencies sort of fall short and that is that they will project the message that they think is relevant or they think is what the market needs for that specific client. For us, we pride ourselves on articulating what's already within the client. You know, someone asked me the other day who one of our biggest influences is and for us it's actually someone like Rick Rubin who's a record producer and is recognised for countless Grammy Awards Um, but the thing that really catches me is that he works with artists from Jay-Z and Kanye all the way through to Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Beastie Boys and there's such a massive range of people that he's worked with but his ability to work with an artist, identify what makes them different and extract that in them without necessarily kind of putting his signature or on any specific record um, is something that we very
3: much draw inspiration from. So you guys see yourselves as drawing out what's already there rather than adding something new? That's what I would say. So I would say it's definitely market
0: research and understanding what needs to be said, but saying it in a way that still embodies who the company is, where they came from, what they want to achieve, and it's marrying the two together.
3: Wow. Um, Did you always want to be in the creative industry, like doing this kind of thing? Creative industry, yes. This
0: type of thing, no. I mean, I studied music at university, so I haven't studied marketing or branding or graphic design or anything.
3: Do you think that was to your advantage?
0: Um, To to a certain degree, I think so, because I, I really feel as though creativity isn't so much in what you do it's in who you are and i think that even though i was in a completely different field it still taught me a lot about my creativity and how to execute that and how to be responsible within that at the same time
3: explain that to me what do you mean responsible within that
0: uh, it's something that that weighs quite heavily on my shoulders a lot of the time with clients because some clients that contract us have hundreds of millions of dollars in turnover and what we charge them is a minute percentage of that. Um, For other clients, they're giving us every single cent. And that's something where we don't just have to exercise creativity, but there has to be responsibility within that. And sometimes you can fall way too responsible and give them something really safe that everybody else is doing and it's not money well spent. Um, and you can also go creative and wild and out there but recognize that there is a tangible result that's required for that company and there's people that livelihoods and families on the other side. So it's it's marrying, the I, I, or I guess it's finding the middle ground be, between wild out there creativity but also responsibility and a tangible result Um, and I think even music has taught me that of you can go wild but at the same time it has to appeal to listeners it has to be relevant to certain people so it definitely taught me a lot of things that I'm now incorporating in a completely different field but all in all under the umbrella of creativity.
3: Wow, so you've gone from a single operation to this large thing um, with clients all over the place mm-hmm. at, a, at a wide spectrum of kind of um, of different levels, which is fantastic. Yeah, how involved are you in the minute creative? Do you do you have thoughts on art direction, or are you now just purely a few steps removed and working on big projects and leading the team? Um, how does that look for you? Funnily enough, it's
0: my story specifically isn't one where. I was ever involved necessarily within the minute detail because i'm not a designer i'm not a brand strategist i'm not not a marketing expert in any sense but for me as an entrepreneur, I recognized holes within people's, um, you know, marketing campaigns or their brand. And I would ensure that the right team are working on that. So that hasn't necessarily changed. The first person that worked on the, you know, first brand that we landed is actually still our creative director and still doing a mind-blowing cool. job of that. Yeah. But for us, it's, um, I'll, I'll still very much make sure that we're innovating or pushing forward, that we're not settling. And my job is to make sure that the team are performing as best as they possibly can and that we're always creating chapter two and chapter three and chapter four of what our company is, not just what our clients are. But my job is to ensure also that there's a certain standard of excellence that we approach things by. But I trust my team to, to deliver that.
1: We'll get right back to the episode brought to you by our Hillsong Worshiping Creative Conference, which happens in Sydney, Australia every November. It's for every kind of creative, whether you're a musician, singer, a graphic designer, architect, an audio engineer, or video editor. It's a place for the artists of the church to gather together, to worship, to be inspired and refreshed, and to be equipped and trained for your sphere of creativity. Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode.
0: Hi, my name is Fadi Hanna, and this is my Fantastic Four. My favourite movie that i watched this year, I re Inception, and it still blew my mind. The album that I'm listening to right now is still Daniel Caesar, just on repeat. One job that I would love to try if I didn't have my current job would probably be furniture design. My favourite way to recharge is actually making music. I've got like a small recording studio at home, and it's the only time when my brain can focus on just the one singular thing.
3: Um, it's a very cool thing to be involved in these days, creative industry, digital stuff, all these things. Do you have a lot of kids kind of like look up to you as a strong term? But what would you say to someone young who's looking to get into the kind of area that you're that you're in now? Um, other than don't, um, <laughs> other I than
0: think, count the costs. Yeah, I actually think there there is a lot to it. But the one thing that we constantly have to work on. We actually flew in um, all of our our management team from all the various offices last week to work on this and I don't think that um, I don't think that you're ever beyond working on the value behind your company. And what I mean by that is whatever you do, be that a singer, a graphic designer, anything within any creative capacity, there has to be some sort of value attached to that to somebody because that person is ultimately what's going to be funding your career, your job, or your company. Every single transaction that happens in a day-to-day scenario, be that a $2 bottle of milk or a $200 million home, ultimately what somebody's saying is that I would rather that bottle of milk than this $2 coin. And so it's great to be creative within whatever sphere, but as long as you're recognizing that there has to be a tangible value for someone or something outside of that, I would say that's just as integral to work on outside of just being creative for creative sake. Um, I think some of the most wildly creative people that I know um, are still working on that. Whereas I see some people that aren't necessarily overly creative, that have really worked on the value side of things and are doing really well. So I would say, um, ensure that you're working on both both of them. Um, the other thing that I, I that I like to say, because I, for me, it took me years to recognize that this was the recipe to my personal success. Um, and it's helped unlock things for a few people, but it's to dream big, but think small. Um, dream big in the sense of make sure that your dreams scare you, make sure that you say, I absolutely cannot achieve that, that um, it's well above my ability. But think small what are you doing right now to achieve that what's the first step that you're taking what's the book that you're reading what's the person that you're talking to about that like how are we thinking small about achieving that big dream and breaking it down into tangible steps between now and whenever we're able to achieve it
3: i love that i mean you've been doing this for a couple of years now the company's grown what's probably the biggest challenge for you personally as the leader that you're dealing with now i'd say carrying the responsibility i think um
0: for me I also have to learn to let go of a lot of things, but you know our, our offices, unfortunately, they weren't necessarily strategic in their placement. And so we're around the clock in every single time zone, which um, can be draining, but it's recognizing what's worth it and what's not. For me, what I'm learning very much now is pumping the brakes more than I am the accelerator. I mean, for the last three years in a row, we've been one of Australia's fastest growing companies, which is amazing, but it's also one of the most stressful things. I think in our second or third year of business, we saw a 400% growth. We averaged 350% growth every year, which is great. And I get high fives, but it's also the most stressful thing. Mm -hmm. So it's recognizing what's worth it and what's not and learning to say no to something that can be
3: really lucrative, but will weigh you thin. So. Interesting, because it sounds like this is happening at a corporate level and I'm sure it takes a toll on you. Um, you've got a wife, you've yeah. got two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um so there will be a cost that comes with that as well, Absolutely. I can imagine. Absolutely. Um, is that something you're consistently navigating and working on or do you feel like you've just got a rhythm and you just keep rolling?
0: No, I definitely, um, it is something that we always have to revisit because the workload's never consistent. The time's never consistent. What I have to do is never consistent. And so it's something that you have to agree on in a partnership. It's something that you both have to sign up to and it's something that you both have to, um, I guess, be down for the journey. But you also have to rely on the other person, be that a, a husband, wife, partner, whatever that may be, to say, hey, we need to slow things down. Or you're, you know, I mean, for example, yesterday was my fifth flight this week, you know, and I know that if I keep going like that, I'll get burnt out. And I may not be able to recognize that, but I've got somebody that I'm accountable to that can recognize that. And so it is, it is a, it's a, it's definitely a conversation that's always there, that's always happening. And you have to give somebody the place to be able to have that conversation with you.
3: Right. Is that hard for you? Do you? Does your personality want to keep pushing forward, taking new ground? Yes. or are you, right? Yeah. It is hard for me and
0: that's because my personality has always been accelerated down full stop. And the hardest thing is consistently learning to push the brakes, which is something that I struggle with. But luckily I have people around me that can weigh the cost of that for me and with me as well.
3: The people around you, obviously you've got people like your wife and close friends and those kind of things. Yeah. I think looking at business owners, it can be quite a lonely existence. Not a lot of people experience that. Most people have got a boss and they clock in, they clock off. Um, What's something you've learned being your own boss, um, living that entrepreneurial life where it can be very isolating um, that has helped you? I think it's recognizing that different people,
0: I don't necessarily rely on their experience per se. I I rely on their way of thinking and different people have different perspectives. I think... um, Somebody who is an absolute genius in helping me navigate things was also my barista. But his way of thinking was so out of the box that I'm like, I want your perspective on my situation, not necessarily I just want your experience on my situation. Um, and I've had to think like that because flagship and what we do is dramatically different to so many companies that I can't just go to someone and say, hey, you've achieved what you know I'm wanting to achieve or you've been in this specific industry. How have you navigated that? So for me, I, I'm the kind of person that will get a lot of different perspectives on it which will empower me to make the greatest decision. And sometimes it's recognizing that, yes, that may be your accountant or lawyer or, you know, expert business person or business coach. But sometimes it's your barista. Sometimes it's, you know, your unemployed friend. Sometimes it's it's those people that can actually share a perspective way outside of what you expect that helps you bring something
3: into context. Yeah. Getting back a little bit to what you guys do as an organization, you talked earlier in um, our convo here just about a a company that might need a rebrand. Yeah. When you look at a company, how do you go, okay, they need a rebrand or they're fantastic? What's the differentiating factors? The differentiating factors are
0: generally within what do they want to say and how accurately are they saying that? For example, if you were to get a 1,000 people into a room and ask them their perception of a specific company, how aligned would that be, but also how aligned would that be to what the company wants you to say? So if we were to get, again, using Apple as an example, um, if we were to get 1,000 people in the room, I like to think that maybe 900 of them would say, oh, they're really innovative and functional and sleek and modern and dot, 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 everything that the Apple executives want you to say. And so I would say that their brand strategy, irrespective of their logo or creative, is great. Um, you get a company that you know has closing down sales quote unquote every single week and so on and ask a thousand people what they think of that and it would be so disjointed and some people would think it's great value other people would say it's tacky So, and that disconnect in the perception of the company is what I would say is where they need a rebrand unless that's the, the unless that's what they're the going for which I highly doubt um, so sometimes it's what are you wanting to say and who are you wanting to say it to and how do we ensure relevance within that I
3: really like that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, By way of finishing up, I think this industry is one that is moving at a rapid rate of knots. And what was current and edgy two or three years ago is now probably passed us by in a lot of places. When you kind of look to the future of branding, digital, this kind of space, what are some of the disruptive influences that you see taking more of the future than we give them credit for right now? I would say it's
0: people that empower. Well, there's there's so many companies now that are building something off somebody's frustration or their own frustration. For example, like your Ubers or like your Airbnbs or I think the companies that will just introduce a business model like um, a recruitment website, for example, and you just go on it because that's the only thing that's out there versus somebody who says, how should things be done? Because I'm really frustrated with that being the singular approach to recruitment or that being the singular approach to driving cars or something. For example, Tesla. I sat in a car the other day and I was blown away by the fact that the center of the car is basically one big computer. Now, it wasn't just that so innovative. For me, it's like, how have we just had these dials for so long? And I jump in a car that's 2018 and it still seems so outdated. I think that the companies moving forward, instead of just improving what's currently there, build out of frustration and can actually look at something and say, why? Why are we doing things this way? Why have we always done things this way? And you find the companies that are emerging now and will continue to emerge in the future are the ones that find. Solutions out of frustrations as opposed to just
3: improving what's currently out there. Fadi Hanna from Flagship Digital, this has been a
2: fantastic conversation. Thanks, Thank Gabe. you for coming to join us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, for me, one thing that stood out from that interview was the thought of adding value to people's lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about your creativity as adding value, but I, I wonder if we should. Um, when we're taking someone's time on a Sunday, when they come to a service, what value are we giving to them? Or when they look at our, our photographs or our artwork or our you know listen to our songs, what value are we giving them? I think sometimes we think that the gospel is inherently valuable, and of course, it is, but the way we present that and communicate that through our creativity, I wonder if we're putting enough time and effort into thinking about the value that that is sort of giving to people. Um, Sometimes I know myself, I've I've spent such a little time on my creativity, on honing my craft and on, on presenting my creativity. And in fact, that's cutting short the message of the gospel or that's cutting short what I'm trying to communicate. And instead, as creatives, we need to be doing all we can to be communicating well and clearly and making sure that when we're asking someone for their time and attention, we're giving them the value that they deserve. And of course, the value that the gospel deserves if we're trying to communicate that. So let's be challenged this week in making sure we give value to people, making sure our creativity is valuable, and that we're putting in the effort to make it as valuable as it can be. Anyways, next up, we're going to hear this week's story for the Psalms of Ascent. And as always, you can find out more about this at hillsong.com forward slash WCC and continue to join us on the 100 Days of Creative Challenge.
1: I think it's interesting, God generally tends to give us glimpses of what the future could be, but he rarely then maps out the road, <laughs> right? When I first came into the country and chose to come across here and be part of this team, and as exciting as it as it was on one end, on the other end there was a level of, I don't know what this is about and I'm, this could be the, a really bad decision, I'm not sure. So when I first got here into the country from Kenya, it took me a while to, to actually figure out what this was about. Now, in my mind, I've, I had committed myself to be able to go in and see what God would do, and that's great, but between the decision and actually seeing the fruit of what God would, would, would be doing in, in me, that was very... because it was it was, it was riddled with um, financial difficulty, there was, you know, family situations at home that weren't going the way I wanted them to, and so but meanwhile i was telling myself that my being here was purposeful i think perseverance is it goes in tandem with hope now fast forward that 15 years later and i'm here i'm, I'm you know married got kids and everything else my life is here and i can very clearly articulate what god is doing and i can see it and i love it
2: Well, that's it for today's episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. We'd also like to hear from you too. So if you have a comment, you can do that on our Instagram, which is at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.